Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime, which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. How does a beautiful young woman just seemingly vanish into thin air or into deep blue waters? That is the question when it comes to a beautiful former flight attendant, Sarm Heslop. operation is underway for a British former flight attendant who vanished down in the Virgin Islands. Sarah Heslop was sailing with her American boyfriend when she disappeared from his yacht, leaving behind all of her belongings. The boyfriend telling authorities that she might have fallen overboard, but law enforcement and volunteers have found no trace of the missing woman in their search of those waters and the coastline. You're hearing our friend Ansley Earhart at Fox and Friends, and she's right. No trace of the missing woman in the waters. I've dived those waters myself, those exact waters. The water is crystal clear, light blue, beautiful. I understand that the vessel, the siren song, was moored either just in the beyond the shallows or actually at a pier. So where did she go in the middle of the night with me, an all-star panel? But first again, thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111 with me, SARM's longtime friend, Andrew Baldwin, Jeff Jones, USAR Disaster Area Response Team volunteer who is searching for her right now, Wendy Patrick, California prosecutor, author of Red Flags on Amazon, host of Today with Dr. Wendy KCBQ. You can find her at Wendy Patrick. PhD.com, renowned psychiatrist joining us out of the Atlanta jurisdiction, Dr. Angela Arnold. You can find her at AngelaArnoldMD.com. Chris Byers, former police chief, Johns Creek, Georgia, 25 years on the force now, PI and polygrapher at Chris Byers Investigations and Polygraph.com. But first, to CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter, Ellen Killoran. Ellen, thank you for being with us. First of all, could you tell me where was the siren song moored? Was it um, on a pier? Was it on a boardwalk? Was it out in the water? What do we know? The siren song was moored in Frank 
Bay on St. St. John's Island. I've seen photos of where it was, and, and the immediate area is actually kind of remote. There was only one other vessel in the water early that morning that she disappeared. Um, and it was in a very, very dark area. You know, straight out to Jeff Jones joining us, USAR Disaster Area Response Team volunteer looking for her right now. You know, I was uh, told from a source, Jeff Jones, that the evening before, another uh, vessel was about 100 feet away, full of people. Uh, yes, there were. I was uh, initially on the scene the next morning, uh, beginning to do scuba diving, as well as uh, shoreline-based search with small craft throughout Frank Bay. Uh, there was a uh, that next morning, there were two vessels in that bay, but I spoke to one captain myself who was there uh, the night that she went allegedly missing it around 2 a.m. Um, when Mr. Bain noticed her gone. And that vessel was about 100 to 120 feet to the northwest in that same mooring area in Frank Bay. And uh, that captain said he heard nothing, saw nothing, and was unaware of any kind of anything unusual at all. So what are you telling me, Jeff Jones? I'm telling you that I spoke to a captain who was there the night she went missing. He actually came into that bay Sunday morning and it dropped anchor uh, about 100 to 120 feet away from the siren song. And he he was there overnight on that vessel. He's also a term charter captain uh, um, with a, another catamaran for hire. And he saw nothing, heard nothing, and was unaware of any unusual foul play till the next day when the Coast Guard showed up. Jeff Jones, um, where is this? I'm taking that it is not at a boardwalk. It's not at a pier. The siren song is moored out in the water. How far from shore would you say? I would say between 140 to 160 feet, and it's just around the corner from Cruise Bay, in which Cruise Bay is our local town. Um, The population of Cruise Bay is about 2,000. From Cruise Bay, which is the city center, so to speak, for our island here on St. John, it's where all the bars, restaurants, shopping, um, the water sports, the dive shops, everything's located at. It's maybe a three-minute walk from there just around the corner in another bay called Frank Bay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, um, it, it is a somewhat dark area. Um, I mean, there's not a lot of uh, – there's a few houses there. There's a small boutique hotel uh, probably 300 feet from where the siren song was moored and still is currently moored. I've been there daily doing, um, you know – Searches via with drone and uh, using orthomosaics to create maps above above uh, the water, and then also we've done GMRS and GIS grid pattern searches throughout the water mm-hmm. in that area, and um, no one else has heard anything or saw anything that night that I've spoken to. Now, uh, Ellen Kaloran, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter. I understand that a dog walker heard someone scream around 1 a.m. Uh, the night the storm goes missing. Is that correct? That is not confirmed, but that is information that has been passed around that there was someone walking their dog around 1 a.m. They heard sounds that could have been screams. Um, However, the people that I spoke to that were on the vessel that was about 100 feet away that night said that they didn't hear anything unusual. To Andrew Baldwin joining us, this is Sarm Heslop's longtime friend. Andrew, is it pronounced Sarm or Sarm? It's pronounced Sarm. Thank you. Okay. Tell me, Andrew, 
what you have learned, I'm going to go back into who Sarm is, how you have been friends for so many years, and all about her personality because that's important to me, Andrew, and I'll tell you why. From what I'm learning about her through my own research, she doesn't seem like the person that would take off at 2 a.m., leaving behind her passport, her cell phone, her wallet, her ID, whatever clothes were aboard the siren song. So her personality is very important to me. But let me ask you this, Andrew, what, if anything, have you learned about a dog walker hearing a scream at 1 a.m.? So we've heard, Nancy, we've heard the same reports. Um, my understanding is the information of those reports have been passed to the local police. And, and since then, we haven't heard any further um, any confirmation either way about the dog walker. Well, I understand Chris Byers, former police chief. I understand what Ellen Kaloran is saying. Um, a scream could have been a shriek of laughter. It could have been someone slipping on their vessel. We're hearing from Jeff Jones there was another vessel. Jeff, so there's just that one there about 125 feet away from the siren song, or were there others? I know, I know one definitely is that for positive was sure there the night because I spoke to that cat on that vessel. I uh, will say that next morning uh, she was reported missing and we began our search efforts. Uh, there was another vessel. There were two more vessels that next morning. But I can only personally confirm of the one vessel I know that had one captain on it, and he heard nothing. And, and like he stated, you know, we we are a, a pretty popular tourist destination. There's, you know, there's a boutique hotel, like I said, very close to where that boat was moored up. There's villas there. People play loud music. People party. Um, so that makes it, you know, pretty tough to be the descriptive of where it may or may not have came from. Yeah, I agree. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible, Easy Breathe. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed or do-it-yourself kits available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com. Get 20% off today. Thank you, Easy Breathe, for being our partner. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Guys, we're talking about the disappearance of a, a, a beautiful young uh, flight attendant, Sarm Heslop, in the U.S. Virgin Islands. How did her body just disappear if she fell overboard? I've dived there. That's, it's impossible that within just a few hours, you can't find her in those waters. Uh, take a listen to our very good friend, Dana Perino, at Fox News. Listen. 
Investigators in the U.S. Virgin Islands searching for a British woman missing for over a week now. Sarm Heslop was last seen on her boyfriend's yacht off the coast of St. John's. Police say he called to report her disappearance the next day around noon, saying when he woke up at 2 a.m., she was not there. The island's police department tweeting this. On March 10th, divers from various local and federal law enforcement agencies and other citizens formed a dive search party to try to locate 41-year-old Sarm Haslop, who was reported missing on March 8th. Unfortunately, this effort proved unsuccessful. Back to Chris Byers, uh, former police chief, joining us now at Chris Byers Investigations and Polygraph.com. Chris, as I was asking you earlier, I don't doubt I really do not doubt that a dog walker heard a scream when he was walking his dog at 1 a.m. Who it was or what it was, we don't know. Could it have been somebody with too much to drink that night, screaming something out, or somebody fell, or somebody's laughing loudly, or it could have been Sarum screaming. We don't know. But, Chris, very often we start a timeline at, at all sorts of unusual places. I like to re, uh, um Reference back to the O.J. Simpson double murder case where a neighbor heard the dog Akita emit a long plaintive howl, which they had never heard the dog do before. And many people start that timeline with that. Yes, it's just a dog, but it was significant. This could very well be the beginning of the timeline. Chris Byers has got to be investigated. Yeah, absolutely. In a case like this, you have to run down every possible lead, uh, like you said, to set this timeline. And it, it was significant enough for this dog walker to report it. Um, so investigators definitely need to run down uh, that lead as much as they, you know, you run, you take a lead and you, you see where it goes and you run it till the end till it means nothing. But until you do that, it means something and it needs to be followed up. And again, to say it hasn't been confirmed is it, it, true. But that doesn't mean it's true. It's untrue. Just because Chris Byers, that a journalist has not found the dog walker and questioned them, that that doesn't mean it didn't happen. Agree or disagree? Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. The investigators need to run down that lead until it proves to be something or proves not to be something. You know, uh, another issue. Let me go out to Wendy Patrick, California prosecutor. Hold on, Wendy. I got to I got to confirm something. To Ellen Killor and Crime Online, the numbers, the timing is starting to become amorphous. First, we were told that he, the boyfriend, um, Bane, first realized she was missing at 2 a.m. And then called Coast Guard, I mean, excuse me, called local police at 2.30. Now it's slid that he woke up at 2.30 which one is it, Ellen? Well, Nancy, we do not have confirmation of the exact time that he called police on the Virgin Islands. That information is only coming from his lawyer. They have not provided any records to support the initial 911 call that he made. So we don't have confirmation if it was okay. two. Let me ask Jeff Jones. Jeff, what have you been told? Yes. Uh, I have been told um, only through a statement put out by his lawyer that he initially called VIPD at approximately 2.30 a.m. And via what I understand from his attorney is the fact that at 2.30 a.m. when he called 911, they told him to call Coast Guard, which seems a little odd to me because from my understanding with VIPD and, and the, the correspondence I've had with him and the coordination efforts I've had with him during our search, 
Um, they've been extremely helpful and involved and uh, to the best of their abilities. Now, I find it odd they would just simply say, call the Coast Guard. And then at 11.46 a.m., nine hours later, almost 10 hours later, he decides to call the Coast Guard. It seems very unusual to me. And I think at that point he had already retained an attorney, if I understand that correctly as well. I may be be incorrect on that, but I know he had retained an attorney in that very short time frame from when Coast Guard was initially alerted to her disappearance. Let's go through the timeline to Andrew Baldwin. This is SARM's longtime friend. Andrew, what is your understanding of the course of events that occurred that night, starting with the two of them, Ryan Bain and SARM, your friend, going on the island for dinner and returning to the vessel, the siren song, at around 10 p.m. due to COVID restrictions. What do you understand happened? So these are the facts as we have them. We know that uh, they went for dinner in uh, in Franks Bay, that sorry, in Cruise Bay that evening. Um, and then the next fact uh, is that there was a phone call made to the local police, again, believe 2.30 a.m., um, and then uh, where the advice was given to call the Coast Guard, and that call happened at uh, 11:46 a.m. According to the Coast Guard, those are the Nancy. Those are the only facts that I have. The rest is information that has been has not been factually proven. Well, you know, um, nothing is factually proven until you go to court. And it's my understanding that this case is not even being treated as a criminal case as of right now. What do we know, Ellen? That's right. The authorities in the Virgin Islands have not named Ryan Bain a suspect. They have released very little information about the nature and the urgency of the search now going on over two weeks. They did say in a statement released a few days ago that he retained a lawyer very quickly and has not allowed a search of the vessel. Whether or not they are obtaining a search warrant is unknown at this time. Nancy, may I add to that? <clears throat> Hold on just a sec. Who's that? Is that Jeff or Andrew? This is Jeff um, on Friday afternoon um, while conducting uh, some missions, search missions via drone uh, to develop some mapping and imaging. I uh, spoke with uh, two investigators who had been flown up here from uh, St. Croix for uh, the VIPD and spoke with them. And I asked the uh, St. Croix investigator why they if it was possible to an exigent circumstance search. And he said, yes, it should have been done. Now, I don't know if there's enough facts to support that, but coming from a VIPD investigator that I personally spoke to, he said that it, that circumstances would have qualified for an exigent search and no warrant would have been needed at the time. You know what, Jeff Jones, you should have been a lawyer because you're absolutely right. Wendy Patrick, when Jeff Jones, who's, searching for SARM right now, says a police officer told him they should do an exigent circumstances search. They're both right. Exigent circumstances is a phrase that came from a very old U.S. Supreme Court case, U.S. versus Carroll. It's so old, it goes back to moonshining days and prohibition, where a vehicle, a four-door vehicle, was getting away, and the tail was dragging, and the cop knew It was full of moonshine. So without a warrant, pulled the car over because if he had let the car go, the moonshiner would have gotten rid of all the evidence, which means exigent, urgent 
circumstances that the perp could get rid of the evidence. And that's exactly what's being argued right now, Wendy Patrick. They don't need a search warrant where there could be potential evidence on board the vessel and the vessel could take off. Yeah, they're, what they're looking at is potential destruction of evidence, potential destruction of clues of evidentiary value, all of the above, Nancy. But, you know, there's also potentially public safety exceptions sometimes also that are cited in terms of when do we need the kind of paperwork we might otherwise be able to get if there weren't any issues. Because here we're talking about a disappearance. Nobody disappears. I mean, something happened to this beautiful woman. And part of the issue about, yes, it's a tourist place and there are other people there we're not talking florida during spring break there aren't so many people that she could possibly just have gone missing it reminds me of that scene in sleeping with the enemy where julia roberts supposedly falls over the side of the boat and then it turns out she did know how to swim there's no evidence that this is anything like that which is why it is even more important that we treat this as the exigency that it is she just disappeared in crystal blue waters with another boat 100 feet away that is why this is of such significance, and they're trying to get the evidence they need quicker. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible, Easy Breathe. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed or do-it-yourself kits available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com. Get 20% off today. Thank you, Easy Breathe, for being our partner. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Andrew Baldwin, a longtime friend of Sarm Hillsops. Andrew, she could swim, correct? Oh, yeah, she's she's a good diver. Could swim up. Uh, she's, uh, she's sailed across the Atlantic. Uh, she's used to being around boats, around water. I wouldn't call her an expert yacht swimmer, but, uh, certainly she could handle herself on a boat across the Atlantic. Um, this isn't a boat across the Atlantic. This is a boat anchored in shallow water, uh, which makes us even more concerned, you know, about what happened. Did I hear somebody say she's scuba? Uh, yes. And I will say this too, just from my experience with search and rescue and swift water search and rescue as well. When a human being hits the water that's coherent in any way, shape, or form, as soon as they hit that water, it's a very sobering experience. And the natural survival's instinct says grab a hold of something, get onto something, on a rock, a ladder, whatever it takes to get out of that water. Jeff Jones, so not only did she scuba, she swam, she crossed the ocean, according to Andrew Baldwin. How deep is the water where the siren song is moored, Jeff 
you know where it's, where it's at exactly is probably between 15 to 20 feet deep, but within 50 feet it gets into uh, five foot of water. It's a very very clear bay that's uh, primarily sandy bottom with some rocks and reef involved, um, but for the most part it's a, a pretty shallow bay. Most of all, all of our waters down in the Caribbean are shallow. And could you tell me the state of the water the following morning when you go out and start searching? Is it just as clear as I remember it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, when, when we initially start, began doing our grid search patterns, uh, we were doing them in small craft, trying to cover the most amount of area quickly. And we were, most of that was done, you know, visually above the water because the water is so clear. At the next day when we were doing dives um, in 40 to 50 foot of water, we could see you know, visibility 40, 50 foot deep easily. Easily. I remember doing a wreck dive not far from there. And it, it, it was, you could see, I, I, I know I had to be able to see 50, 60 feet from where I was, when I was diving that far away. And I just don't understand how this whole thing happened. And typically it's my belief, Wendy Patrick, former prosecutor, when you have to struggle, look, when you're putting together a Rubik's Cube and it doesn't work, you move it around because you're doing something wrong. This equation is not working, Wendy. Right, and that's why they have to keep going back to the beginning, exactly as you say. You know, the timeline is the way this case will unravel. This is the way they're going to either prove something or not prove something. Very preliminarily, it's not been classified as foul play, so they have to go back and start again at the beginning. And if they even start with new evidence that's coming in, like the fact that there was another boat so close. Unless they were dead asleep, the heaviest sleepers in the world, they would have heard the scream that's been reported by the dog walker. Maybe some other piece of evidence comes forward, and then that gets either corroborated or contradicted by what we already know. But you are correct that we just keep turning that Rubik's Cube a little bit differently and then starting again. Back to Ellen Kalor and CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter who has managed to track down the boyfriend, Ryan Baines, ex wife. Ellen, what did you learn? Brian Bain has a domestic violence arrest from 2011 um, from his former wife, who has said that he was physically and verbally abusive during their marriage. Isn't it true, Ellen, that she says that on their honeymoon, she became so concerned for her safety, she cut the trip short and left? That's right. What she told me was that on their on the first days of their honeymoon, they got into an argument in an elevator and he pushed her in an elevator on their honeymoon. And then she ended up cutting it short because she didn't feel safe. On an elevator. That means it was public. Somewhere, either a hotel or a resort. They were on an elevator and according to her, he pushed her on the elevator. And that was on a couple of days after... They got married. So what mm-hmm. happened that resulted in a police report and an arrest? That was three years later. This is in November 2011. The couple had gone to a wedding that night. They drove home early in the morning, um, and she was driving his wife, Corey. She says that Ryan was sleeping in the car or trying to sleep. She needed some directions from him. She, she needed help navigating and she was trying to get him to help. And he got very, very, very upset. According to the police report, 
he dragged her, she told police he dragged her out of the car when they get home. Once they were inside the house, she said that he pushed her to the floor, hit her head on the floor to the point where she broke her tooth. She had a chipped tooth when police arrived. She was bloodied and scratched. Her T-shirt had been stretched around at the neck and it was and he was taken into custody. Back to Jeff Jones, USAR Disaster Area Response Team volunteer, looking for SARM as we speak. Jeff, tell me about the search. What, if anything, have you learned? Um, unfortunately, everything has so far become, un, you know, unsuccessful and, and, and unfruitful. We um, we began the search initially the, the day we became aware that she went missing, that Monday afternoon. Um, we uh, initially, the first six days, spent a lot of time in small craft, searching shoreline, uh, scuba diving, snorkeling, um, and that's more transition to a, a ground search this time. We're now using, uh, obviously, other volunteers on foot searching what's capable to be searched as far as the terrain is not necessarily the most kind in heavy, heavy bush as well as along rough reef, rocks, coral. So we've been using drones. Um, thankfully, a local professional drone pilot, Andrew Peter, has volunteered his time and been flying missions for us. And he volunteers with a group called Global Dirt or at help.ngo, a disaster response team. And they've taken those maps that we've created from the drone imagery and uh, entered into the software. It stitches all those together and makes a very high resolution map. And then that was shared with amongst his colleagues and associates uh, for analyzing and then also provided to VIPD for further analysis. So far, we found nothing. We found no evidence of anything. Um, not a clothing, not not shoes, not a not an unusual broken twig. I mean, we've been pretty extensive so far and continue to be because we want to exhaust all efforts to make sure that if she is here, that we find her. Jeff Jones, let me ask you a question. Is it confirmed, other than by the boyfriend, Ryan Bain, that they went on land for dinner the night before. Has that been confirmed? Yes. By yes. who? There are um, uh, some of her friends at uh, that were at a local establishment. Um, I believe they've confirmed it to Andrew Baldwin as well, that they were on land. Um, so the way it works is Frank Bay is probably a three to five minute dinghy ride um, from the dinghy dock in Cruise Bay. So they would have gotten off the boat, taken the dinghy, the small tender, came around the corner, into Cruise Bay, tied up the dinghy dock, and walked into town. You mean they used there, their own? He had a dinghy? Yep, yep, yep. So it's he used their own dinghy? Yep, yep. And can you tell me the name of the restaurant? Uh, you know what? I believe they were at 420 Descender, is my understanding. 420 what? 420 Descender. It's named after a bunch of Boston folks who, uh, Fenway Park, I think it's 420 Descender, is the, the distance to Centerfield. 422 Center? I believe. I'm, and I make. Correct you, me if, if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that is the uh, last establishment they were seen at together. So, Jeff Jones, there would have been witnesses that saw her there. How do, was there anybody, Jeff Jones, that saw her back on board the Siren Song that night after dinner? Um, only Mr. Bain, as far as I know, and that would have been based on his reports to the police and uh, his call to the Coast Guard. Interesting. Interesting. Jeff Jones, what, if anything, can you do now? Keep searching, not give up. Keep, keep keep exposing this story and getting all the attention we can in hopes that someone comes forward that saw something, that heard something, that knows something. Create awareness that 
this is going on and we need to stop this. This has to find some kind of resolution as soon as possible. Jeff Jones, have you seen Ryan Bain? Have you laid eyes on him? I have not. I have not. I'm very I curious do, about his demeanor. Him. Yep, I have. I've never met him. I don't know him. Um, I uniquely, one of his lawyers' initial statements they put out was that he um, that he was assisting search efforts. But I've been involved every day, and I've yet to see him in any way, shape, or form. From BBC Radio Four, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible, Easy Breathe. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed or do-it-yourself kits available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com. Get 20% off today. Thank you, Easy Breathe, for being our partner. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Guys, we are talking about the disappearance of a beautiful young uh, former flight attendant last seen having dinner uh, there at the U.S. at the U.S. Virgin Islands. Uh, we believe she went back to a vessel with her boyfriend. With me, Jeff Jones, disaster area response team, searching for her. To Andrew Baldwin, her longtime friend, Andrew. What, if anything, have you and your team, who's also helping to look for her, found out about the night she went on land and had dinner? Well, Nancy, we know, as, as Jeff says, and, and whilst I'm talking about Jeff, uh, I want to say thank you to Jeff and all the local responders. That, that the man, Jeff Jones, is, is, is uh, someone that's coming to our lives and provided us a lot of information and a lot of support, and we owe that man a lot. So whilst, whilst we're here, I want to say thank you to Jeff. Um, what well, we obviously know that they were seen having dinner, um, and then, uh, as Jeff previously said, the next the next confirmed time is two thirty a.m. Between the time they were seeing dinner and two thirty a.m., we're not clear on what what happened apart from the reports in the media from Mr. Bain. Jeff, um, just a question from that restaurant, four twenty to center, to where. Ryan Bain had his dinghy parked. Did anybody see her get in that dinghy? I I cannot confirm that. And again, I'm not 100% sure that was the restaurant they were at. I was told that was one of the last places they were seen. Um, and Andrew may have confirmed that with his mutual friends. Again, I don't know the either party involved. Uh, just simply offering the volunteer search efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, that mm-hmm. being said, um, I cannot confirm 
that anyone saw them, you know, depart the cruise bay dinghy dock headed towards their vessel with siren song. Gotcha. Andrew Baldwin, is that the restaurant? From what I understand, yeah, absolutely. That's the name of the restaurant. And to Dr. Angela Arnold, psychiatrist, joining us out of the Atlanta jurisdiction, you know the reason I'm asking. I want to find out, was she drinking? Was the boyfriend drinking? Were they angry with each other? Had there been an argument? I'm only going to find that out if you go to the restaurant and speak to the people there that were there that night, if that's the correct restaurant. Because that matters, Dr. Angie. It does. It does, Nancy. It is well known that heavy alcohol consumption increases the risk of violence. And I'll tell you something, Nancy, I am in listening to all of this. I'm actually I'm actually very curious about how these two met. We keep calling them boyfriend and girlfriend, but how long have they been together? How did they meet? I'm very interested in knowing some of this. Well, I think I've got just the guy for you, Andrew Baldwin. This is Storm's longtime friend. I understand that they met on Tinder. Yeah, they met. Uh, obviously, Sam left the UK uh, in kind of uh, late uh, 2019 um, and sailed across the Atlantic with some friends um, and arrived in the Caribbean uh, kind of in uh, early 2020. And then because of the pandemic, obviously kind of got stuck on their journey. They were originally going to try and sail as far as they could around the world. Um, and it was around about uh, the end of July when they first met. And from what I've done in my own investigation, it seems to me, Andrew Baldwin, that the boyfriend, Ryan Bain, 44 years old, has the siren song. It's a luxury yacht, cost about $700,000, and he takes parties, groups of people out and about in the waters to sightsee, maybe dive, maybe snorkel, and he always has a mate basically a woman that does the cooking is what that is and um is that what sarm was doing what she was yeah i mean they she joined just uh joined in him at the uh end of or well, the middle of february and the, yeah and was uh working kind of and living on, on board the boat so so yeah i'm not entirely sure what she was what she was actually doing every day but yeah that's similar to what i understand so it's my understanding also, Andrew Baldwin, Storm's longtime friend, that you guys have been in touch with the governor of the Virgin Islands, Albert Bryan. What for and what did you learn? So we have been in touch with the authorities or the, and the family have been in touch with the authorities in, in the Virgin Islands. And, you know, I thank them for their support. And, and, and importantly, Nancy, keep asking for their support. Uh, number one, to find Sarm. That's our, our primary objective. And, and number two, you know, as, as you said, we need to understand what happened. We need to understand um, this timeline that, that makes absolutely no sense to, to you and to us as her friends and her family of this missing time, uh, particularly between the call at half past two to the police and the Coast Guard at 11.46 uh, in the morning. I, that, the timeline confuses us and, and we want some clarity around that. Yeah, like a 10-hour delay. At first, it was stated that he noticed Sarm was missing when his alarm sounded. He was coming unleashed from his mooring around 2 a.m. Then it somehow has slid to 2.30 a.m. And that he called the local police. They told him to call a Coast Guard. And he waited until noon, almost noon, to call the Coast Guard. Take a listen to our cut 10 at KATC. 
Tsar moved to the VI in January to go sailing and essentially live with her boyfriend. Because she's so well-traveled, Taylor was shocked to hear of her disappearance. Obviously my initial was, what do you mean? What do you mean she's missing? She, she can't be missing. She says Heslop is around 5 foot 7 inches. Slim. Um, she's very athletic, loves hiking, walking. So she's quite uh, fit. Um, tattoo on her shoulder, flowers and a seahorse. And she's got a small star just just under her eye as well. Um, after Jeff Jones joining us, uh, conducting a search right now for SARM, how would the siren song have become unmoored? Uh, that would be a good question. And uh, that's one of the reasons I think it's paramount that we would be able to get a forensics team on that vessel. Um, you know, the thing is, the way those, um, the anchor alarm, which supposedly alerted him, uh, you know, that the, at 2 a.m. is what woke him up, and when he noticed SARM was gone, but that alarm operates off GPS satellites. I know flying the drone in that area, directly above the vessel, we, um, we picked up 18 satellites that we were connected to for GIS searches in, in our grid pattern search. So there's many, many satellites that would have pinged off of, which leaves a footprint. A team of experts and forensics can go inside that nav system, as well as that anchor alarm system, pull up any kind of alerts that were saved either to the SD card or onto the, um, the hardware itself. Wow, you just read my mind because I've been wondering, I know a little bit about vessels, but obviously not as much as you, if when an alarm like that goes off, if it leaves a digital footprint and you just answered me that yes, it would. I'd like to know what time that alarm went off, if it went off, that said about this chain of events. But we're not going to learn anything without a search warrant. Andrew Baldwin, Baldwin, Sarm's longtime friend, are you surprised that vessel has not been searched, much less the digital footprint? Yeah, I mean, that's the last place she was seen. That's the last place. And, you know, and I know it's different. We're in the UK and, and then you're in the US. But, you know, you start at the place number one. Place number one in the place she was reported to disappear from is the boat. Um, so we're just asking to... That, that, that that's where it looked and, and a fingertip search by the police. And we just really struggle to understand why, why that's not being permitted, why that's not being allowed to happen, because that is the place she is reported to have gone missing from. So clearly that's where you start. I'm struggling with it too. To Wendy Patrick, it is the U.S. Virgin Islands. I assume search warrants work the same way there as they do here, right along with exigent circumstances that Jeff Jones brought up. Yeah, no, that's true, Nancy. And as we talk more about this, I, I almost wonder what's going on behind the scenes in terms of maybe there's an issue of compromising an ongoing investigation, especially because he has a lawyer now. I, you know, are there other factors that we, we don't know about? Andrew Baldwin has provided us with such amazing information. Everyone needs a friend like Andrew Baldwin. And I would also say volunteers like Jeff Jones and their community. But between the two of them, even, they've supplied a lot of the evidence that we're hoping that law enforcement also has and is working with in determining, do we need to wait for a warrant or can we just go in? Now time has passed. Why? And, and I would even extend that to the interviewing of the other patrons at the restaurant uh, to see, as Angie says, did they see, hear, or remember anything that would shed some light on whether there was drinking? Was it? Did it end up being a drowning? In which case, we're back to why didn't they find her? But yes, it is curious, and I'm hopeful we'll get more information that'll help us recognize why we don't have a search warrant yet.
It's my understanding they have the same justice system that we do, hence the U.S. Virgin Islands, USVI. Ellen Killoran, what can you tell me about the resolution or adjudication of this guy's previous attack on his wife? And they're now divorced. He was, he pleaded guilty and went to jail for 21 days. So this isn't just an arrest. This is a conviction. He pled guilty and did jail time? Mm-hmm. 21 days. Okay. You know, Dr. Angela Arnold, uh, with all the cases I prosecuted and all the nights I worked at the Battered Women's Center in Atlanta, I learned a yeah. lot. Based on what Ellen Killorn is being told by his previous wife, Corey Stevenson, there were many attacks, a lot of verbal abuse, a mm-hmm. lot of physical abuse, but she called the cops this one time. Exactly. What do you make of that, Angela? Well, it, it leads up to that. It builds up. And I'll tell you something else I make of this. Nancy, I, a tiger doesn't change his stripes. And what worries me so much for this young woman is that she met him on a dating app. Then they were, then they were secluded because of covid So nobody, I'm not hearing any words about how their relationship had progressed over the last year. We don't know anything about their relationship. Then she's, then she's all by herself on a boat with this man for God only knows how long. Nobody knows what was going on with this girl. Andrew Baldwin, I know you can hear Dr. Angela Arnold. What, if anything, had she said about her relationship with uh, Bain? All the conversations that she'd had with uh, friends, um, was that she was happy? She had obviously flown back uh, from Malta back to to go back to, to to the boat and to to be with him. So, and the last kind of conversations I had with her, which were by message, kind of just as she arrived in the U.S. Virgin Island, was was that she was happy and happy to be there. There were no issues or anything that's been raised. And we want to be clear on that. We're not. This is us, you know, being really clear on what's happened to our friend. This is not about us any suspicion this is about us being clear we want to know where our friend is and we want to know what's happened to her that's our number one focus andrew baldwin we all do we wait as justice unfolds tip line 800-222-TIPS t-i-p-s nancy grace crime story signing off goodbye friend From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. 
Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress. Lisa's Sapira Hybrid has been named Wirecutter's Best Hybrid Mattress five years running. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash Nancy for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash Nancy. Thanks, Lisa Mattress, for being our partner.